0: part of all of that, um, basically what we did here was establish leadership, uh, hand the church over to the, the pastor now, which is, you can see in the bottom right, there's this guy with the glasses, he's also up there with holding two kids, he's now the pastor there, he's Estonian, uh, the Lord really just, just opened up the doors, but this is what we have been doing for the last 10 years, is church planting, uh, church multiplication, uh, when it comes down to it, discipleship. That's what we're about. That's what we do. That's what we've been doing for the last ten years. And um, yeah, praise God. There's there's uh, um, of I got two commercials. Okay, so I always I, I joke because I'm trying to give some background. But I got two commercials. One would be I have a podcast. Uh, it's a Win Build Send podcast. And uh, well, that's the pre up Europe. Yeah, that's that's good enough. But at Win Build on Instagram, you can go check it out. I've had conversations with refugees. I've had conversations with with people from uh, different. Parts of life. Um, I've had conversations with pastors, missionaries, musicians, all these things. And and what I started doing was recording them and putting them online. So that's my podcast, Wind Build Send podcast. Um, Also, you can go back to the Praise Chapel Europe picture. Most recently, uh, what we did, we, we've been doing these events in Europe. My my father, uh, he's also a missionary, or like, yeah, he is a missionary, and he's uh, more, more has like a, a covering, a leadership over the European churches that we've, we've partnered with, connected with, and basically planted. But basically, is is the website. But this here is an event we did in Bucharest, Romania, and the local community hadn't seen anything like this before. These are all. This is like the poorest uh, community in the city, and everybody came out. Man, there was lines. You can see people lined up on that wall. There's people around the back of the street. People were stopping. We had Jack Harris from. um, uh, He's a missionary as well. He's planted in Kurdistan, um, Iraq. He's he's helped establish the ministries there. But we had him there doing a healing crusade. And so this is what's going on in Europe. You can show the next slide. Uh, The the church planting in Europe. Is, is the main thing. Church planting in Europe, that's what we do. Uh, even from the USA, because we will be based in the USA now, what we will do is uh, basically, push efforts, help uh, establish resources, help people get connected. Um, even churches like yours, if you would like to go into Europe to go visit on a missions trip, you know, you you can talk to us, man. You can get connected. There's so many opportunities. Uh, Latinos, I feel like, especially Latinos, we can fit in in so many places. It's ridiculous. I've been, I've been like, people have been like, you, uh, like you're Russian, and I'm like, no, you know, like, like. Afghanish, which is like Afghanistan. No, Turkish. No, like, like it's all these different things. And I'm like, no, man, I'm just from California. And, they're, and they wouldn't believe me. So I'm just saying that there's opportunity all over the world. And I want to encourage you in all of that. So let's get into the word because um, those are my two commercials. Just letting you know, sharing information. Uh, and now I want to get into the word. Uh, the, the word I have is from a series I did called the, uh, My Father's House. And I think one of the things that, that all of us here, you know, we can sometimes say, hey, that's my church, or, you know, it's my church. Well, you know, this is, this is our Father's house. And as much as you, you, it's good to own it, good to be part of it, it's our Father's house. Amen. It belongs to Him. And, and the title of this message is The Holy Spirit Empowering the Church. The Holy Spirit Empowering the Church. In the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, it says this. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So I want to read to you some quotes. This is from Henry T. Blackaberry. He wrote a book, uh, Blackaby. He wrote a book uh, called "Spiritual Leadership," in which he challenges, encourages and speaks to leaders. They call him a leader of leaders, but he said this, "Will God ever ask you to do something you are not able to do?" The answer is yes, all the time. It must be that way. For God's glory and kingdom, if we function according to our ability alone, we get the glory. If we function according to the power of the Spirit within us, God gets the glory. He wants to reveal himself to a watching world. Now, one of the things that I, that I do try to attack a lot of times is, you know, a lot of common misconceptions within the church. Uh, you might have heard it said that, you know, God will never put you through something you can't handle. Well, that's nowhere in the Bible that's that not scriptural, it's not biblical, you will not find it in the Bible. As a matter of fact, read the book of Job. He couldn't handle it. And the reality is when God asks you to do something, most of the time it's going to be something you're not able to do. It's going to be out of what is possible from your abilities. A.W. Tozer said this, I remind you that there are churches so completely out of the hands of God that if the Holy Spirit withdrew from them, they wouldn't find it out for many months. What a scary thing. Howard Hendricks talked about this. He's a, he's a, uh, a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, and he said this. He said, I'm not afraid of your failure. He says, I'm afraid of your success because what if you succeed in the wrong thing? On top of that, as Christians, we represent something every time you say you're a Christian. Every time you get up, or you pray over your food, or you put the little fish on your car. Okay, you know, let me let me explain something. If the fish is on your car and you cut somebody off, I, you know, I'm just throwing it out there. You know, like if that thing's there, if you represent something, you you represent it. And we could misrepresent Christianity. That's, and that's the fear. That's, that's the thing that we got to be scared of. That we, 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 we can really challenge our walk. We can say, are we walking in a Christ-like manner? What promise of the Father was Jesus referring to when he was talking to the disciples in Acts 1.8? It says this, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Let me explain something. When when Jesus says this, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. And then he names these three areas, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Let me explain something. They were at war. They didn't like each other. The context was that basically the Christians were illegal. They were putting them into jail. Christianity was something considered horrible. It was a virus to society. It needed to be stamped out and destroyed. And and these are some of the cities that were most uh, powerful and accurate in doing it. And so Jesus says, you will receive power and you'll be witnesses to me in the most dangerous places that you could think of. Let me put into modern day context. If if the Holy Spirit spoke to you and said, I want you to move to Syria. I want you to go share the gospel in Syria. This is the equivalent of what Jesus was saying to them. He was saying, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will go into the most dangerous places and be a witness of me. The empowering of the church resulted in a great witness of Christ. Let's say it like this. When the Holy Spirit moves, the church is relatable to a spark landing on wood that is prepared to burn. Let's say it like this we could talk about fire. I, I, I grew up in, in Praise Chapel. You know, it's Pentecostal, non-denominational, charismatic, whatever term you want to use. And one of the things that that was used quite a lot was the fire. You know, it was even overused. I would say, like everybody's like, you're on fire, and it's like, no, they're they're chilling, bro. Like they're really not. You know, and, and the, the reality of when we talk about fire is a lot of times we can set things up to look like the fire's ready. So like the wood's there, the, the, it's soaked in like some sort of lyre fluid, the rocks are around, you know, like it's just ready to burn, but there's no fire. See, and, and this, is the, this is the scary thing is that this can happen a lot. The Holy Spirit is the spark that lights the fire because the fire can be seen from a distance, now let's back up a little bit. So, what are you trying to say? The fire in you can be seen from a distance, meaning when you're on fire from God, people see it. You don't have to go. I'm a Christian. You know, you don't have to put on the you know the, the vest. What's, this, what's his name? You know, Jesus Christ. You know, what's this guy? You know, you don't it's you don't have to do that. That's him, praise God, awesome, do it. But that's you don't have to do that. Because when you're on fire, when the Holy Spirit is in you burning, people see it. While the world cannot understand the importance of the Holy Spirit, the church must understand it is the Holy Spirit that will come and spark the church in order for the fire to come. Acts 2 talks about the day of Pentecost. 1 through 21 is, is the full account. We're going to read a small portion really quickly. 1 through 4. It says this, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and here we find a unity in the early church. We find a unity. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So we, we focus a lot of times on the tongues, you know. Uh, let me say this. This, this. One of the churches I was working with was a Baptist church. And I remember going there, and I was thinking, like, you guys know that, like, I'm Pentecostal, right? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, but I'm going to be on your staff. Like, I'm going to be preaching on Sundays. Like, and they're like, man, you know, if the Holy Spirit's in it, we want it. So it was, it was really cool to see this. But I would say this. A lot of times we do focus on tongues in the Pentecostal churches. We focus on tongues. But let, let, me, let me show you something here. In verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance utterance is a spoken word or a statement he whispered as if to lend his utterances and added confidentiality the action of saying or expressing something aloud so speaking in tongues do it practice it i believe in it 100 percent. it's a gift from the holy spirit do it but in this situation right here there was an utterance there was a reason for the tongues it was not an emotional response. Let me slow it down a little bit. Let me slow it down a little bit. Latinos are emotional. <gasps> Latinos are emotional. Amen. No? Okay, we got. We, okay, we're kind of on the same page. Latinos can be emotional. If you're mad, everybody's going to know you're mad. Everybody's going to know. You know, if you're happy. Everybody's going to know. We're emotional people. We wear our emotions. We wear them. We put them on. You know, if you're arguing with your wife or, you know, you're arguing with your husband, you know, you you come into church, you're wearing that emotion. You know, we wear it. We wear it. We walk in with it. And this is the thing. The Holy Spirit, although our emotions are a symptom of the Holy Spirit moving, the Holy Spirit moving is not about emotion, The Holy Spirit gave them something to say. We see the result in the next verses. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem, verse 5. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? We go further, verse 8. And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya, adjoining Siren, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? So let me say it like this. We go back to verse 8. How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Now, what I learned a lot in working with like, a lot of different nationalities is there's dialects. Like, you know, even in Spanish, if you're from a certain region, you say certain words in a certain way. Even if you're from Spain, you say Spanish from Spain. You know, not, you're like, oh, not the, not the Mexican Spanish, the Spain Spanish. I've I've literally met the Spaniards who do that. (laughs) And and it's something that there's differences. But here we see something very clear in verse 8. And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? So it was literally, they were hearing their own language from their region, the dialect that was spoken. What the Holy Spirit did was just a huge thing here. The cultural context was just massive. It was like the Holy Spirit was speaking to people from a distance from those that were there. A few thoughts on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who covers you. And we'll go further with that, but let me explain it like this. When the Holy Spirit moves, okay, when the Holy Spirit moves, people respond. When the Holy Spirit moves, things change. When the Holy Spirit moves, the fire that is lit, burns up things. When we talk about fire, when we talk about fire, don't, don't ever forget that fire consumes. Fire consumes things. You say, like, what? I don't know. Maybe some idols you have. Maybe some relationships. Maybe some things that you've placed in front of who Christ is. The Holy Spirit, the fire that burns in you, consumes things. The Holy Spirit is the one who covers you. And I mean it in a few ways. Think of the roof of the house. The roof of the house is important because you can build the frame of the house, but without a roof, it's pointless. The elements would come right in and destroy the interior. So this is kind of what happens when the Holy Spirit covers us. It seals in the change. It seals in what God has done in your life. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, 14 says this, and him who you also trusted, After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. That is why the early church had so much happen because they waited on the Holy Spirit and they were sealed by the Holy Spirit. They were sensitive to the Holy Spirit because they knew he was at work because they had never felt the Holy Spirit move like that. And it was new to them and they knew exactly this this is the holy spirit the problem is this when you don't know the holy spirit you can have sometimes an emotional response and believe that that's the holy spirit you can think like oh the holy spirit really touched me today did he really because you haven't changed You've been in church 10 years and you still battle with the same things and you still talk about the same people. You still complain about the same things. You still come to church and, and worship was okay today. You know, If the Holy Spirit moved in you, if the Holy Spirit sealed what has been changed in you, people see it. It's quiet in this Baptist church today. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I love my Baptist people. They knew he was at work. How do you know you have the Holy Spirit? And that's a question I do have an answer for, but it's something to get you thinking. How do you know you have the Holy Spirit? You know, is it a song maybe you heard and, and you know, you got touched? No, it's probably just a song because you cried during movies too. How do you know you have the Holy Spirit? john sixteen seven through eleven says this Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. How do you know you have the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin. The Holy Spirit convicts you of sin. That every single sin in your life, the Holy Spirit will confront you with it, will make you deal with it, will remind you, say that's wrong, don't do that, stop doing that, cut that off. You need to change your life. That's what the Holy Spirit does to you. The Holy Spirit will convict you of righteousness and judgment. Charles Spurgeon said this, You cannot preach conviction of sin unless you have suffered it. You cannot preach repentance unless you have practiced it. You cannot preach faith unless you have exercised it. True preaching is artesian. It wells up from the great depths of the soul. If Christ has not made a well within us, there will be no outflow from us. Let me say it like this. When a church or a Christian gets stuck, they just feel stuck. They've probably lost the Holy Spirit in their life. Because I guarantee you the same Christian who's stuck doesn't remember how sinful they are. And they start paying attention to everyone else's sin. quiet today. You see, you see somebody, well, that brother, you know, wow. Well, he's not, he's not holy. He needs to get right. Oh, their relationship is broken. They need to fix that. Oh, the pastor, let's not talk about the pastor. He, there's a list. Why is he ushering? Why are they on the worship team? You know, I know what they did. I saw them. They're not living right. When the Holy Spirit's not working on you, there's probably another spirit. The first part in identifying the work of the Holy Spirit is identifying conviction. Conviction of sin. Conviction of sin. What is the Holy Spirit convicting me of today? When you wake up in the morning and you say, Holy Spirit, convict me. Remind me. Remind me of my sinful nature. Remind me why I need a Savior. Holy Spirit, teach me. You know, I talk about missions, and I say, I say it like this. Missions really does this. It takes a mirror, and it puts in front of you, and it makes you look at who you really are. And that's why some people hate missions. They hate going on missions trips because they start to see who they really are. And they're like, I don't want to see that. And everybody else says, we all look at it. (laughs) It, It begins to identify the things that you have to deal with. And it challenges you. And that's the Holy Spirit working. And it's every day the Holy Spirit works in us. Holy Spirit works in us every day. That's the awesome power of the Holy Spirit. Every day, the first part in identifying the work of the Holy Spirit is identifying conviction. Conviction is not condemnation. Conviction is not condemnation. Someone may have done something and been convicted of it, but they can walk in freedom. Condemnation does not allow you freedom. Let me say it like this. Imagine two houses. One house is condemned. The other house is not. The biggest difference, there is no life in the condemned house. Nothing lives there. The condemned house is just dead. It's empty. It's a shell. The house that is not condemned has life in it. The lights are on. There's people home. There's stuff going on. And if you come to church today and you think, man, I'm kind of messed up. There's so much going on. I don't know if I should be in church, you know, this and that. Maybe that's the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's supposed Holy Spirit dealing with you. There's life. There's something going on. But if you're here today and you're like, you know what? I don't like this guy. I don't know why I'm here. You're... Conviction and condemnation, the Spirit of the Lord allows Freedom. So when conviction comes, there is freedom as a result. When condemnation is there, you're stuck. You never go anyplace else. The Holy Spirit will convict you of your sin. It is not so that you would walk condemned. It is that the Holy Spirit calling you back onto the path you need to be on. The idea is this, the condemned house. Think of it like this. Let's just say... Talk about termites. Everybody's seen termites. Everybody knows what termites do. They destroy the house. Maybe not right away. But over time, that thing gets destroyed. And this is is what sin is like. It's just just this thing that's going on. You're like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. I'll take care of it. In time, it will destroy you. The Holy Spirit is the one that comes in and says, we need to get rid of that. That thing in your life, you need to deal with it. Otherwise, we have to condemn. We have to to just close this thing down. We cannot function. There can be no life in the thing that has sin. It's dangerous, not just for you, but for everybody around you. When the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin... It is not so that you would walk condemned. It is that the Holy Spirit is calling you back on the path you need to be. It's, there's this, this guy, Ricardo Sanchez, he's a Christian musician. He says, the devil knows you by your name, but calls you by your sin. God knows your sin, but calls you by your name. The devil knows you by your name, but calls you by your sin. God knows your sin, but calls you by your name. This is the Holy Spirit at work. Because the Holy Spirit will always call it out. He just makes you deal with it. He just says, hey, man, you got to pay attention to that. I want to use you. I got plans for you. But you got to take care of this thing because I don't want you to end up condemned. I don't want you to end up empty, lifeless, nobody around you. Nobody wants to be around you. I, I want you to take care of this thing. Be convicted of it so you can walk in freedom. And one of the, the, the closing thoughts, um, I want us to stand. Let's stand. Maybe let's let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes right now. And maybe maybe it's just something today that you just realize or recognize, and you said, "You know what? It's been a while since the Holy Spirit convicted me of sin." I've been looking at everybody else. I've been looking at everything else. But today, why don't you pray and you say, Holy Spirit, convict me of sin. Because I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you. I want to know you. I want to hear your voice. I want you to lead me, guide me, teach me. And today as a Christian, we're saying Jesus is Lord of your life. And we're saying that the Holy Spirit is the one that seals in you the redemption, the salvation, the healing power of Christ. And if you're a Christian, I just want you to just just ask the Holy Spirit to work in your heart. But if you're here and you're not a Christian... You're, you're, you say, I, I, don't, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I don't walk with him. I don't know him. I don't read my Bible. I don't pray. I don't know any of that stuff. I want to share with you this today, that no matter what you have done, no matter what has gone on, that salvation is available to you today. I want you to imagine a a courthouse. You walk into the courtroom, and it's filled with everybody you know, your friends and your family, and there's a judge, and the judge says, come in, come stand up here. And he says, on these two screens, we're going to show everyone here every single sin you have ever committed. And as that video begins to play, all your friends and family begin to see who you are, And they begin to reject you. They begin to to throw insults, to say, I knew it. They're horrible. They're this, they're that. But then Jesus walks in. And just as the judge is saying, Arrest that man, put him in prison, man. He doesn't deserve to be out with us. Jesus walks in and says, Listen, Whatever he's done, I want to take his punishment. And then, he, and then Jesus just tells you, go, you can go. And as you start to walk out, the shame that you feel, because everybody's looking at you saying, why are you letting him take your place? You deserve that sin. You deserve that punishment. But you look at Jesus and he says, you know what? You're free. You can go. It doesn't matter what they say. I've taken your place. You can walk in freedom. And today, that's what salvation is. And we want you today to know who Jesus is. To know that he loves you. He died for you. He took your place. And he said, you can walk in freedom and truth and righteousness. And it doesn't matter what anybody says. You can have freedom. Jesus, for anybody here today that doesn't know you, Lord, we pray today that they would leave this building changed, that they would walk out of here knowing that they have a Savior. I know we don't have a lot of time, but I do want to pray for the Christians. If if you just want prayer, if the Holy Spirit dealt with you, I want you to come up. Come up. Come out of your seat. We don't have a lot of time. We're not going to take time, too much time on this. But if you want prayer, the Holy Spirit has spoken to you today. Just come up here. Lift your hands. Close your eyes. There's someone here today that has dealt with betrayal, that you have betrayed. You have lied. You have cheated. But I hear the word betrayal. And you're dealing with that. And today, you can walk in freedom. God knows what happened. He knows what you did. He saw the whole situation. He knows how bad, how ugly it was. And he still says, I love you. And I forgive you and I want you to walk in freedom.